Our first lesson is from the book of Romans, the seventh chapter. I'm reading from the, the, uh, the book, The Message, uh, by Eugene Peterson. It's a very fine translation of the Bible, a little easier to understand sometimes. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's commandment is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do something good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who could do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. The word of the Lord. Our Holy Gospel from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, such as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right, goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here is why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? 
And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did to one of these things, whenever you did one of these things to someone who was overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the one on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry. You gave me no meal. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was homeless. You gave me no bed. I was shivering. You gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? Then he will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do to one of these things, whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone, who was being overlooked or ignored. That was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to the eternal doom, but the sheep to the eternal reward. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. I am just absolutely delighted to be here with you this morning. It's homecoming. I've got history. Some of you who may not know me, I've got history with this place. This is where my... Late wife Debbie and I came with our family after I retired from the Navy. We came back here. Uh, Debbie grew up in this congregation, the daughter of Dick and Darlis Jensen, who are sitting in the back there, longtime members. Debbie was on staff here. She worked in that fishbowl over there in the corner. I used to joke, I'd go up there and I'd ask for tickets to the Northern Games. <laughs> When this building was being built, Debbie and I used to ride our bikes up the bike path, and then we'd ride our bikes in the building and around and, and down up to here. And this was just a pile of gravel then, and this was all concrete. It's wonderful to be back here. It's from here that I left to go to seminary. And you people supported me with your words of encouragement, with your um, prayers and financial support, and I'm deeply, deeply um, grateful for your support. Um, <laughs> my ordination day, I was ordained here. It was Bishop Zelmer's first ordination, and it was a cold day. It was a bitterly cold day in December, and um, many of you may remember Dwayne Hedinger. He walked up to me and he says, I knew it'd be a cold day when you were ordained, Wayne. <laughs> and a high school classmate came to me and said, you've come a long way. <laughs> so, 
It's an it's a interesting life we lead, isn't it? I'm now the, the senior pastor for St. Dismas of South Dakota. We're a prison congregation. We are a congregation in the ELCA, just like Bethlehem Lutheran is. We're a standalone congregation. We are not a congregation that is supported by the Synod or the National Church. We are a standalone congregation. So my, my job, half-time pastoral care, I'm the pastor on the hill um, at the South Dakota State Penitentiary in Sioux Falls. My colleague, Pastor David Bentz, leads the congregation that, that worships at the Mike Durfee State Prison in Springfield, South Dakota. So we're one congregation that worships in two locations. So half of my job is pastoral care inside the prison, leading worship. We worship on Thursday evenings. The other half of my call is doing what I'm doing today, coming to tell you about our ministry to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and to invite you to, invite you to participate in a very, very powerful ministry in the church. I can tell you without a doubt that your support of St. Dismas is absolutely changing lives. It's bringing peace and love to men who didn't have it before. The men in my congregation have done terrible things. Some of them can't bring themselves to forgive themselves for what they've done. I, I start every worship service toward the, end, toward the beginning with a caring conversation. So I, I throw out a topic. Maybe it's a question or it's a sentence to complete. And one, one Thursday evening, I said um, something about what is the hardest thing about forgiveness? And more than one of them said, forgiving myself. Forgiving myself. It's an amazing congregation. You look out, and they look an awful lot like you. They really do. It would be hard to differentiate between them and you. For a lot of them, if you took away five minutes, ten minutes of their life, they wouldn't be in prison. It was a, a momentary insanity. It was a, it was a crime of passion or whatever. Um, they wouldn't be there. There's a website I'd like you to visit. Just remember, we are all criminals. Can you remember that? We are all criminals. Just put it in your search. Weareallcriminals.org we And in it, you will find stories from people just like you. A nurse that was needing money, running short, couldn't pay the bills. Gee, I've got access to narcotics. I'll sell them. I'll make, a, I'll make enough money to make ends meet. But she doesn't get caught, and she's not in prison, but she certainly could be. It says there's a statistic. One in four of us have a criminal record of some kind. But all of us should have one. We should have, at some time or another in our life, we could have been arrested. You, you think back on your life, and you know that's true. 
there's some uh, incredible stories in that, in that congregation. I remember before I was the pastor, I used to worship there a lot. I was the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran NT, a congregation about the size of Bethlehem, maybe a little bit smaller. I'd go worship on Thursday nights just to, to have a place to worship as a pastor, just to be a person and worship. And I remember a man coming up to me, Pastor Bob Shell was said something about justice. And this man walked up to me, clean cut, looked like any businessman in Aberdeen. And he said, Pastor, I don't need justice. I've gotten justice. I'm here. I deserve what I've gotten. He says, I need mercy. Wow. I thought, wow. You know, we have this stereotype of, of who these people are. We, we like to categorize people, right? Um, people that we can associate with and are safe, and then those that we stay away from. Those people. And maybe inmates are those people. Stay away because I don't want that rubbing off on me. And there are a lot of other categories that we can name. Those people. We like to put the people that were called to serve, Jesus' great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we escape from that by defining neighbor, make, making a very narrow definition of neighbor. We put neighbor in a box. Neighbor is someone that's just like me, looks like me, acts like me, believes like me, same political party as me. It's getting to be that way these days. Smells like me. Right? That's my neighbor and that's who I'm going to love and serve. Wrong. That is not who God sends out. And you reread Matthew 25. And you decide where you stand. I went down to the shoe. I visit the shoe. It's the special housing unit. It's the hole. You might hear that on the news. It's the prison inside the prison. When you get in trouble in prison, have a major infraction inside the prison, you go to the hole. You're in a little cell for 23 hours a day. To visit down there, it's a steel door that goes across the entryway and a little tiny plexiglass window, but you can't really talk through it. So you have to go to the gap between the wall and the door. It's a little tiny gap. And you put your mouth there and you talk and you put your ear over there and listen. And then you might pop over and see what he's looking like, you know. <laughs> Get some nonverbal feedback. And then, well, I went there and there's this short, really tough looking guy. And he's, all he's got on is his shorts and he's tattooed from head to foot. He's a mean looking guy. A gangbanger, more than likely. And he called out to me as I walked by his cell, Pastor. So I went. He said, I just read the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch. Wow. This is coming from this tattooed gangbanger, right? This person that's probably not in your box that you would call neighbor. I just read the first five books of the Bible. He said, and now I know where my mother got all of that stuff she taught me on how to treat other people. Whoa! I'd not heard that from anyone in a congregation I'd served. This is from a man in the hole 
It's amazing. I teach a Bible study every Wednesday night and Thursday afternoon, and it's terrifying for me because these guys know the Bible. They come with their Bibles, and their Bibles are just all dog-eared and tattered, and they quote, and I'm like, oh. I have to be very, very well prepared. These are the men that I'm serving in prison. Last Wednesday evening, we had Thanksgiving Eve service. And some men had been uh, sending me kites. A kite is how they communicate in the prison. It's a paper, little sheet of paper, and it says um, their name and their cell number and where they work if they work, and then who they want to talk to. So they'll say Pastor Wayne, and then what they want to talk about. So I've been getting a few kites from guys that want to be baptized, which is awesome. But then there were other guys who were coming to me. I get swamped at before and after worship. And guys wanting this and that and the other. So I'm, I'm scribbling little notes in the corner of my bulletins. And, and uh, so I lost track of the guys that are wanting to be baptized. So I put up a sign-up sheet. And I said, guys, whether, if you want to be baptized, please sign up back there. And five guys are on the list just from that night. Five guys want to be baptized. And another came to me, and he's from Aberdeen. A lot of guys from Aberdeen there, by the way. <laughs> there are a lot of men in Aber from Aberdeen in my congregation. Um, one was a classmate of mine. Um, another I went to church with. I, I grew up at Zion. But this guy came to me and says, um, you know, I started confirmation classes when I was not in prison. So I'm looking forward to when I get out to being confirmed. And I said, well, I can confirm you. Let's have... So now I've got five people that want to be baptized and someone that wants to be confirmed. Powerful things are happening in this ministry. Men come in. Men come in to me. And they say, Pastor, um, there must be another way to live because of the way I've been living obviously hasn't worked out. They have a lot of time to think. Tell me, what is there? And so there, the door is open. <clears throat> you need to recognize this yourself when people come and say, what, I mean, what is there? Why, why do you go to church on Sundays? Why, why don't you come fishing with me? Why don't, what's so important about this place? Door's open, you tell them. And so they tell them about Jesus Christ, about the freedom that they have through the knowledge that they are loved by God. You begin your worship service <clears throat> with confession and forgiveness. Do you know why? Do you know what that does for you? The absolution. When Rhea stood there and said, as a called and ordained minister in the Church of Christ, and by his authority I declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. It's not so you can feel all cozy and comfy. Of course, you do get that. The peace that comes only from God. You know who you are. You know that you're sinful and unclean. And like Paul said in Romans, as I read to you, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I decide I should do this, and then I don't. 
Instead, you listen to that little guy on your shoulders. I'll go for it just this one time. It's okay. It's not okay. The knowledge that you are a baptized and forgiven child of God gives you the freedom and the commission to go out and love your neighbor without fear of the muck you might run into as you do that. See, God puts people in your way. And they may be people you don't agree with. And they may be people that you consider freeloaders or whatever you label them. They should go get their own food. No. You provide for them. One of the ways that you can support St. Dismas and it's a very powerful thing, is to come worship with us. The invitation's out there. Come worship with us. We worship Thursday evenings at 6.30, but be careful. I'm here talking to you today because I went to worship with the men of St. Dismas with Bethlehem Lutheran Church back when we were in the old building. You were putting together a group to go worship with the prison. And I signed up and went, and I was hooked. I was hooked. It's quite an experience. It's the most welcoming congregation I've ever been in. When you, when you show up to worship, the inside council, our church council, is there to welcome you, shake your hand. They're all smiling. They're, they're very sincere in their welcome. They are so glad to see you there. You see, many of them, because of what they've done, their family and friends have washed their hands. They'll have nothing to do with them. Imagine you living in a six-foot-by-nine-foot cell with another man. Six-foot-by-nine-foot cell. There's, there's a bunk bed. At one end of the cell, there's a medicine cabinet and a combination toilet sink, stainless steel toilet sink, no lid, you know, just right there. And when you're going to the bathroom, you're looking at the entrance of the cell and the bars and people walking by. I mean, you're in plain sight. You get in trouble if you try to rig up a curtain for some privacy. So you're in this cell, and you get no letters, no phone calls, no visits, no contact whatsoever from the outside world, from the people that you, you love and care for. When you come and worship with us, you are telling them you are tangible proof that there are people out there that do care for them. And I tell them, we'd like to welcome the people of Bethlehem Lutheran Church who are worshiping with us here today. They drove three hours to be here with us. So we please welcome them. And... And they do. You are the presence of Christ to them. You are the presence of Christ to them. When, when, when they're in prison, you came to visit. And who else are you visiting then? What did it say in the gospel? Who else are you visiting? Christ in them. Christ in them. Remember Jesus said, when you did it to them, you did it to me. 
So it's very powerful. That's one way that you can support our ministry. Come worship with us. You'll, it's a great experience. People that come just rave about it. Our men sing. They sing like you wouldn't believe if they could carry a tune in the bucket or not. I don't know if many of you remember Pastor Jerry Sevig. The guy could not sing. Oh, my word. But he sang. We have a choir that sings every Thursday night. We have a praise band that leads worship. We have men that read scripture. We have men that sometimes give testimonies. We have men that do special music. Um, it's, it's a wonderful congregation. So come. Please come. Get a, Pastor, get, get some people together and come worship with us. The other way that um, you can support us, and, and we need this, is we need your financial support. The only way that this powerful, powerful ministry happens is because generous people like you support us. Thank you to everyone here who already is. And for those of you who are looking for another way to support a powerful ministry, St. Dismas. We'd appreciate your financial support. If you're planning, if you're, if you're doing estate planning and you have the means, Remember us in your estate. What a great legacy to leave. It is a powerful ministry that is making a powerful difference in men's lives. It's bringing peace to men who have no peace. It's bringing Christ to men who have not known Christ before. My new members are not here because their last church did something that made them mad. Oh my word, they changed the color of the pads in the pews. I'm done. I'm going somewhere else. That's, that's not my new members. They're most of them new to church. They're new to the faith. And, um, and it's making a big difference in their lives. And it's all possible because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He gave his life for you so that you can be set free. You can be at peace knowing that you are right with God, made right by Jesus Christ, and then sent out, sent out to proclaim the good news. That's what happens in your baptism. You're sent out. I remember riding with the bishop once. I was a brand new pastor. And he, we, were, we were driving along, and he says, Wayne, what gives you the power to proclaim, to preach? And I'm trying to think of some fancy seminary answer to give him, and he thumped me on the head. He goes, your baptism. Quit overthinking it. <laughs> That's what happens. And you're all given that power, and you all have the ability to impact people around you. So I invite you to support St. Dismas as you can. I'll be out here in the back um, between services to talk with you. There's, um, there's these envelopes, offering envelopes. If you'd like to leave something now, there's a basket on the table. You can just leave cash or put it in an envelope. Take an envelope home with you if you can't today. Uh, give anything. Put it on your refrigerator as a reminder and uh, mail it in when you can. I've got a brochure out there that we developed telling about the ministry. It's, um, it's printed and folded by the inmates. The pictures in here of worship are, are, is in our chapel. Um, there's, there's an elderly guy that works in the print shop. He folded every one of these individually. I ordered like 
3,000 of these things. And he sat there, he had nothing better to do, and folded them up. So, and there's also some new letters back there, um, if you'd like to take one of those. So thank you for uh, inviting me, and for inviting me to be here. It is just wonderful to see you, and uh, may God bless you, and uh, God has blessed you. Amen.